So, welcome to the Liquid Studio Show. Um, in this episode, we're joined by Jenny Smith, the Queen of Networking in the Northeast. Um, great to have you on the show, Jen. Thanks for coming along. And uh, we're looking forward to a lively and engaging conversation with you. No pressure. <laughs> Not at all. Over to me. So, um, so Jenny, yeah. I mean, um, Pete's told me a little bit about your story and the business that you run now. Very networking focused. Yeah. Yeah. But before we dive into that, um, could you share a little bit about you and your story? And, I, and what I mean by that is going back way back. I, I remember reading something about you spent time in Fiji. Okay. I think before that, yeah. I mean, what was life like? What has brought you to this point? Who is Jenny? Yeah. yeah. The essence of you. The essence. Oh, big question for this time of day. Um, so I grew up, I grew up on the other side of Carlisle from right. where we are right now, yeah. um, in a little village called Wetherill, which okay. is like Ed Emmerdale, but without the murders, you know, very picturesque, gorgeous okay. place. Right. Um, so I grew up, like I had a lovely childhood, gorgeous, grew up, you know, beautiful little village, uh, parents and my sister. Um, yeah, went to a little village school. I always felt like. Not like one of those people that's like, I was destined for greatness or something. But like, I always wanted to like explore. Okay. Um, so as soon as I got the chance, which was after my A-levels well, when I was 18, yeah. I was off. Um, and that's where like, I went to Fiji and lived with nuns and what? yeah. You lived with nuns? Yeah, that was, it wasn't planned about... that way. <laughs> so what was, what was the connection? How did that happen? So um, after, before uni, I didn't know what I wanted to do when I was a grown up. So yeah. I was like, right, I'll take a gap year. And then there was a charity called Gap that my mum's friend, see, this is already networking banter. <laughs> my mum's friend, her son had just gone through that charity um, and gone to do a placement in China. And this was an organization where you went and volunteered in a school. And literally you could like, I remember opening the brochure and you could pick anywhere in the world. And I was like, right, if I'm going somewhere, I'm going as far away as possible. Yes. So I'm going to Fiji. And it'll nice um, be lovely and warm. And it was, it was like being in a postcard. Yeah. Yeah. And it just so happened that the school that I got placed in was a special school. Okay. So um, most of the children were deaf. Um, and they all came from all the villages all around Fiji to that one school. Okay. Um, and they lived with nuns while they were, you know, going to school every day. So I ended up living with nuns and deaf kids. So you had no particular experience? Absolutely zero. Special needs kids, but nah. just dived in and... Just and went for it, yeah. And when I got there, they all like jumped on us and were like touching my skin on that because yeah. I'm white and they're yeah. like, you know, and like, and I've got blue eyes as well. So yeah. like, and they were all talking in sign language creature. and I was like, <laughs> oh my word, what have I done? Yeah. Um, but the nuns and that were lush and then working in the school, you quickly like, because they're singing songs in sign. Mm -hmm. So nice. they quickly like, I, I quickly learned it. By the end of like working there, I, I remember one of the teachers just didn't show up one day because they're very chilled out in Fiji. Mm. They just do the thing. Yeah. Um, I ended up teaching a class about like safety with electrical goods to wow. deaf kids. Wow. That was a bit of a- and signing. In sign language. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Goodness. So that was a long time ago. Yeah, I've so since learned British sign because they use yeah. Australian sign, which is a bit different. Okay. So. Okay. Yeah. And- after that, yeah. back to England. Well, I travelled on the way right. on the way back, yeah. then um, got to see the world, which was well, not all of it, but some of it, yeah. um, which was lush. And then came back and decided um, at uni wanted to do business and finance seemed like a good option. Okay, it was very broad, so I ended up moving to Liverpool. Absolutely fell in love with Liverpool, great city, and I was there when it was the capital of culture. Oh. So it was like really exciting and. Um, Again, going from this little village 
to then living in Fiji, to then, you know, being in this amazing cultural city with, you know, music and food and art and theater and um, very entrepreneurial as well, the Scousers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I love that. And that was my first kind of exposure to the idea of potentially starting a business. Okay. I'd never really, I've never really thought of it as an option until then. So um, that was really exciting. And that's also where I fell into the world of networking. So why, 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 so that was accidental and that uh -huh. wasn't some grand plan? No, not at all. I hid in the toilets my first networking event. We've all done that. Scared the bejesus out of me. I've never done that. Oh, I don't care. Hid in the loose. Scared, scared the life out of mm, us. Right. Yeah. Because no one teaches you how to like approach people. You're told as a kid, yeah. you know, stranger danger. And then all of a sudden okay. you're expected to know how to talk to them. And yeah. I was still at uni at the time, so I was still a student. And then it was like, to me, all these like grown-ups in suits that knew what they were talking about. Mm -hmm. And then the imposter syndrome hit you. And then it's that very, it's a very vulnerable place, a networking event. Yeah, it can be. You suddenly become that kid at school that no one wants to play with yeah, and yeah. everyone else knows each other and you're, you're the new kid and it's it's scary. And yeah, yeah so I, I hid, hid in the loose with that first event. So that fascinates me because I think you're right. I think most people find it difficult. Yeah. You know, you, you think, oh, it's one of these necessary evils in business that you've got to... You've got to get yourself out there. You've got to get your message out. And then you, you rock up at one of these events. You don't know anyone there. Mm -hmm. And you've and it's hard work, even for people as, you know, as, as confident as we are. Yeah. You know, you've you've got to really give yourself that proper nudge. Absolutely. And so what fascinates me about what you do, and you can maybe go a bit deeper in that, is there's certain tactics and skills and having self-confidence isn't just enough, is it? Mm -hmm. You know, no. if you want to get the best out of your commitment to networking, then mm -hmm. and you've gone quite deep into all. You? Yeah, you've, you've done quite a bit in, in the skill of networking. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. As well as living it. So, you know, after that first event, I did actually pluck up the courage to go and talk to someone at another one. And then it snowballed from there. I fell in love with networking and networks and what it did. Spent a year as a full time networker. So I'd go to like five, six events every day, Monday to Friday across Liverpool, I'm Manchester. Yeah, it was exhausting, yeah. <laughs> but so much fun. And I learned so much very quickly. It was very like that experience and those skills were developed fast because I had no choice. Yeah. Um, a bit like your experience in Fiji then. A bit yeah. like Fiji, just yeah. threw yourself in, yeah. Exactly, yeah. Um, so the skills got developed quickly, but unintentionally, because networking's a funny thing. It's, it's something that, as you say, we all know that we should do, especially business owners, entrepreneurs. Um, if you've got a startup, go out and network. Yeah. However, I found that it's not always about the volume, which I think is focused on very often. You know, the more events is better. Actually, the strategy really interests me yeah. and improving that return on investment by uh, positioning yourself yeah. um, at the right events in order to increase your social capital, essentially. So yeah. aligning yourself with the, the, the right people as well as accessing the right knowledge. So one of the most powerful things that networking provides is access to knowledge. Mm. Yeah which is amazing, especially for startup businesses, entrepreneurs. There's loads of research that shows that um, entrepreneurs who have got more diverse networks mm -hmm. create higher value firms. So if you are able to subject yourself to people from different cultures, backgrounds, different industries and sectors, that allows you to innovate um, spot opportunities and that knowledge that you access really yeah. impacts the value of your business, which is amazing. But the problem is this vulnerability that we we touched on when it comes to networking environments, yeah. because as humans, when we are experts in our field, putting ourselves in an environment where that power is gone, it's a very scary thing to do. Yeah. So the more powerful you are in your area, 
of expertise, the less likely you are going to push yourself and lose that power. Yeah. So this is why um, it's a thing called homophily, where people are attracted to um, it's like birds of a feather. Okay, what was that word? Homophily. Right. I know, it's a funny word. It's the first time I've heard it. Yeah. Okay. It's birds of a feather flocked together, so people are drawn to people who are similar to them because yeah. it, it builds yeah. trust. We're easy. It's easy to communicate to people. Yeah. So if you meet someone that's interested in something um, the same as you, your brain kind of says, oh, you think the way I think, that's all. Your comfort zone, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so because of that, I'm throwing the fact that, you know, put putting yourself in this very vulnerable vulnerable position means that people are less likely to go out and network outside of their area of expertise. Which is limiting. For which them. is limiting yeah. for that knowledge access. Yeah. yeah. So that's an area that I, that I find fascinating. It's exciting. And it's also really impactful. Yeah. And it doesn't really require that many skills. It just requires a bit of courage mm. and yeah. acknowledging that it's okay to be scared and nervous. Yeah. But doing it anyway is going to add so much valuable to you as a person, as a leader, but also as a business owner and add value to your organization. And, you know, and it's never as bad as you never. think it's going to be. And I think, you know, I go back, you know, a lot, a lot of years when I first started networking and, and I got drawn into that sort of misconception that you're there to sell. Yeah. You know, every, everyone's there to sell. So, yeah. you know, you're either selling to them or they're selling to you and you're going to come away with some, you know, great opportunity. And, you know, as we know, that's, the reality is, is, is couldn't be further from that. Mm -hmm. So that idea about using it as a, as a sort of learning exercise yeah. and opening up your scope yeah. um, is fascinating. And if there's some evidence to, that Oh, that yeah, backs there's loads of that. That's interesting. Yeah. It takes the pressure off as well. Like you say, walking into a room thinking, right, I've got to sell to these people is a very different headspace to I'm going to learn from these people. Mm. Plus, when you go in and you're like, right, I want to learn from these people, it, it it like bats off that imposter syndrome that the voices that tell you are, you know, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't need to know what you're talking about. No. The point is that you don't know a lot of stuff. Yeah. So and going okay along and that's okay. Yeah. And you're just yeah. there to, to yeah. find out yeah. and you ask better questions. You're a better listener. Um, I think the other thing that people kind of go down is the route of networking just happens in those networking events. Mm. So they focus on the the especially people who are more introverted and okay. and those natural those traditional networking environments with loads and loads of people are very overwhelming and energy draining. Actually, networking a lot of the value comes from nurturing the relationships you already have. Uh, yeah. So they're going for a coffee, they're having lunch with someone, they're catching up. Those catch ups, that's networking just the same as it's not just about the new people. So if you take away that pressure of I have to sell, I have to sell, mm -hmm. and you use it as a more of a sort of relationship development process, yeah. you get, you know, longer lasting, better, deeper relationships. And it's that depth that yeah. is really important yeah. and that that meaningful connection. Yeah. Especially in a world now where we communicate through screens, through technology. Yeah. Um, and it's all about how many followers you've got and volume rather than actually having meaningful connections because yeah. that's where networking really impacts us as, as humans and mental, emotional health. And so that's it. So Colin and I were talking earlier about, you know, the, the obviously we went through the pandemic and networking was knocked on the head. You know, mm -hmm. people couldn't meet up. And we were kind of talking, weren't we, about the idea that has it actually been replaced by, you know, chat on LinkedIn, yeah. social networking, all that kind of stuff. Um and and from what you're saying, absolutely not. You mm -hmm. know that in there's nothing like that sort of in person connection. No, it's chemical. Like yeah. when you, it's you know after lockdown, we all didn't keep like chatting to our nanas 
on Zoom. You know, we went and sat and had a cup There's of tea only with so many Friday nights. There's only yeah. I can do one Zoom. <laughs> and then well, everyone was done with it. Oh, yeah. I only did like two. And um, up people's noses. Yeah. Like, I'm done. I've had enough. Um, of yeah. It's not the same. It's you know obviously meaningful connection. So when we shake shake hands oh. with each other, it's yeah. a powerful thing. And that touch releases oxytocin, which is one of our happy hormones. It's it's the it's one of the chemicals that we associate with parents and babies. It's that connection yep. hormone. Yep. You can't get that on a screen. No. But also on a screen, you don't get the full picture, so it's really hard to build trust. So you're only yeah. seeing like here up. Yeah. And like, I don't know what's going on down there. No. I don't know how tall you are. Like, I don't know what kind of shoes you wear. I, yeah. I don't, you can't get someone's body language. It sounds really weird, but you can't like, you don't know what they smell like. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not saying you should go around smelling people at networking events. And looking at their shoes. And look yeah. at the shoes. Although you do have good shoes. Like cool you shoes. always have good yeah. shoes. Yeah. But people talk to you at networking events if you wear cool yeah. shoes. Yeah. A little networking hack. Um, but you can't get that online. So it, yeah. people aren't intentionally being deceitful or hiding, mm -hmm. but by default, because you don't get that complete impression of them, you can't, tr it's harder to trust. Tell me, and uh, what's the whole process for you? How are, we, how are we conveying or encouraging people to come and see you or to train people? What What's the process for you? To, like, for, to yeah, because as a professional networker, mm -hmm. you're obviously showing people or telling people how to do this. What's, how do you do it currently? So there's a, I've got a number of different like services that I offer to help people okay. network smarter. Yeah. I know. Here's the pitch. Um, so first of all, like as a con I'll do consultancy work with people. So working one-to-one -one with them. Right. Again, I'm really passionate about that networking strategy. Okay. So I'll help people really get down to their personal barriers and things. Yes, but it's more also about defining and identifying the networks that they need to be part of where they need to be networking. So they're networking smarter. So they're not, you know, spending time at events that they don't need to be right, so yes. there's that consultancy element um the big probably thing that i do is the networking training right. um and for a long time that was online um yeah. there are pre-recorded courses that people can tap yeah, into you, you launched your own platform in that respect didn't you yeah, yeah. so that was something because of lockdown like a lot of people so i was delivering training through you know on zoom and online for for businesses yeah. um for, for those couple of years, but I wanted to to make it more accessible to people and to individuals. So, you know, pre-recorded mm. content, which mm. I think has just gone through the roof the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah. Studios like this, where people can come in, mm. record, you know, record their, their not share their knowledge in a way that allows people anywhere in the world at any time. Yeah, yeah. And I like that because it's smarter for me in a sense, because I record it once and then sell it over and over. Of course. Which is a happy, you know, yeah. I'm all about like passive income. And um, I've also built a SaaS platform. Right. So I'm a big fan of tech. Yeah. Spent so, a few years so SaaS, in tech. So software. For our software as a service. Yeah. Which is for our audience that don't know what that means. Yeah. So that's basically a platform where you, it's, it's a, a piece of software that runs over the web, mm -hmm. accessible anywhere. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah, you just online. Deeper in that. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Okay. So the platform that I've built, it pulls together all the networking events that are happening in the Northeast and Tees Valley. That's right. soon going to cover as well, expand to cover Cumbria, and then eventually... So, so these are not just your networking no, events? No, no, I don't do events anymore. Right. No, no. Okay. Um, these are everyone else's, because they're all spread out. You know, some of them are on Eventbrite, some of them are on bespoke platforms, some of them are on LinkedIn, some are on other social... Um, or ticket platforms. So we bring everything together into one place. And that list is accessible to the public. Anyone could just go and have a look for yeah. what's happening over the next couple of weeks. But people can subscribe if they want to see further ahead and if they want to be able to filter. So again, it's empowering people to be strategic so they can search for events based on topic, based on location, host, a number of different things. And it allows them to have 
it's dashboard that's really personalized to them. It's all the upcoming events. That's obviously there's new events getting released. I mean, daily new things are added on there. So, so there's that as well. So in, in line with the, the theme of this series, which is, you know, as I said at the start, is all about what is your purpose. It sounds like to me your purpose in, in life now is not necessarily running and organizing events and networking no. events. No. It's about engaging with people that they get the, the, the best that they can out of what's already out there. Absolutely. That, my, right? like, yeah, you're totally right. Uh, my purpose when I, you know, years ago when I started in networking is really different from what it is now. Yeah. Um, and, but I think the world's different from what it was then as well, as well as me being different. So my- well, I remember the first networking event I came to of yours, mm -hmm. which is probably 11, 12 years ago, maybe. Yeah, a long while time back. And, um, you know, very quickly tuned into the, to the, the aspect of you where you, you were sort of, you had this, you know, sixth sense of being able to connect people. And I remember being in a room and, and oh, you, you know, Pete, you need to speak to this person, that person. And you had this ability of just sort of bringing people together with some sort of common interest or something yeah. that would spark that conversation without the need for you need to sell to him and her no. and, and what have you. So That's my like joy in life yeah. to like meet people and, and just be that vessel, that facilitator. And I think now my purpose is absolutely to empower others to do that and to mm. get more from networks. And it almost feels like a bit of a, a, a mission that I'm on. So as well as running the business, I'm also doing my PhD at, at Durham yeah. University Business School. I'm researching networking events wow. um, in a bid to be able to um, support networkers and the hosts of the networking events, yep. again, to help facilitate those connections to happen. Okay. But running alongside that, another purpose of mine, another passion is, is helping young people to network. Yeah. Right. Because the world that we live in is screens yeah. and, you know, so they don't know how to talk, bless them. And they don't know how to read facial expressions and they don't know how to read social cues and throw in, you know, lockdown for two years yeah, and yeah. they've just got no chance. So yeah. I'm doing more with that kind of 16 to 18 year olds to help build the, you know, the entrepreneurs of the future, the workforce of the future, to give them the skills and confidence to be able to, Build well, meaningful re yeah. relationships, really. You think about even, you know, graduates coming out of uni who are going to go into that first process of interviewing. Yeah. You know, that's a skill in its own, in its own right, isn't it? And, and if you've never done that face-to-face, -face you know, conversation that we're having, you're not going to come across a well in an interview, are you? So, no. yeah, never mind being able to answer a phone or customer-facing roles or yeah. Yeah. whatever it is. But also it's affecting their empathy. There's an amazing woman called Sherry Turkle, who's an MIT professor. Okay. And she's written books on this and one's called the Empathy Diaries or um, Reclaiming Conversation. They're really good books. Yes. Um, and she's done loads of research into this and the impact that it's having on young people's ability to empathize. Yes. And that, that terrifies the life out of me. So I'm really, I'm really passionate about using networks and human connection to have a positive impact, whether that's in business, in academia, or for kids. Yeah. Cool. So I, I, I'm kind of intrigued. Um, so I'm going to rewind slightly. Do it. The PhD. Mm -hmm. So um, it's a dissertation on specifically what part of network? Because it's a massive subject. Oh, it's huge. Network's yeah. got its own theory. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> my interest comes in, so I'm in the process of doing, um, writing a paper around networking event anatomy, we're calling it. Okay. which is dissecting all the different elements of a networking events design right. um, and to create this new construct. And the idea is that 
by manipulating the networking event anatomy, so the time, location, venue, yeah. format, all those different things, by manipulating that, you'll be able to then control in certain ways how, yeah. who's attend, who attends essentially. Yes. Oh, so for example, early morning events tend to be more male dominated because it's usually the women that do the school run. Yep. So if you want to attract women to a networking event or more women at least, yeah. you're going to have to host your event 9.30 onwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Similarly, if you host an event in a bar, yeah. you're cutting off people who don't, they don't relate to being in that environment. So people who yeah. don't drink alcohol, whether it's for personal or religious reasons, yeah. you know, then you, again, you, you, you kind of, you dictate in who's attending Absolutely. by these decisions that you make. Yeah, yeah. And network diversity and also the levels of vulnerability that people feel. So again, if people don't feel like that they belong in that location, as yeah. an example, they well. they're less likely to attend yeah. Yeah. because they don't feel like, like academic, academics and practitioners don't often mix, right. but they should because they can learn so much from each other. Yeah. Yeah. But that's where if we can, if I can, you know, do some, find some data that, that shows that by changing the, the design of the event, it will then dictate who's in the room, essentially. It's interesting that you think of all the different sort of networking formats, and I've done quite a few over the years. So you've got the, you know, the traditional very early morning thing, you know, 7 a.m. breakfast. Yeah. Thing. I was in a, a BNI group years ago, and it's a really well-formulated fixed plan. Yes which means it's very efficient. And introverts like that. Yeah, and, 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 but not not particularly engaging for me. You, mm -hmm. know, you, you turn up at seven o'clock every Thursday or whatever it is, and there's a there's a, there's a a very well-defined level of expectation on mm -hmm. you. And I think it works for a lot of business, but not for everyone else. Yeah. And then you've got, you know, things like, I've done some uh, speed networking. Yeah. You know, so you go around the room, you've got 60 seconds with everyone in the room. Which work, that works online, yeah. And, and, you know, that, I remember the first time doing that thing, and this is just terrifying, you know. <laughs> how, how am I going to get like, around yeah, exactly. And so that's really interesting, isn't it, that certain individuals will will perform better yeah. depending on the format of, of the networking that they do and exclude themselves from, from others. From Absolutely. Others, they're, not, they're just not going to fit. Um, there's another thing called in, in academia called social distance, okay. which is often measured through the levels of empathy that two groups feel of, towards the other. So how close or how far apart they are. Yeah, yeah. Um, so based on the location, the venue, the time, whatever it might be, um, social distance can potentially be increased or decreased. And if it's decreased and people feel like, oh yeah, I do belong there, then they're more likely to attend yeah. and vice versa. And um, yeah, there's loads, of, yeah, it's fascinating. And I suppose the fact that you're looking at it from the event organizer's perspective, yeah. like, you know, booking a venue and sending out a load of invites and getting a load of people to turn up, mm -hmm. it's not that difficult, mm -hmm. but the measure of success of the event is for, for, the, for the event organizer mm -hmm. is, you know, what what's the feedback from the people that were there? So exactly. Just fill in the room full of people. It's yeah. not sufficient, is it? It's not. It's not going to necessarily. Especially post-COVID, people's expectations. I mean, it's a lot of effort leaving your house now, isn't it? Like yeah. putting some shoes on and going out the house <laughs> after lockdown. Yeah. It's a lot of effort because everyone networks well, fine. Like you see it. For a long time, like this doesn't take well. Online. <laughs> so to get people out, they expect more in return yeah. for that yeah. that investment of travel yeah. and yeah, time. Sure. Um. Plus, it depends what people want from the event because there are benefits to putting together a group of people who are from the same sector. It's that peer-to-peer -peer knowledge yeah. transfer. Yeah. So that can be really beneficial if that's the case. So in tech, 
you put on pizza and beer and that brings to the techies, yeah. you know. Whereas if you want to have those more diverse networks in order to stimulate knowledge transfer, cross-disciplinary research, whatever it is, then you need to design a very different event. And at the minute, there's not kind of a best practice code for mm. the event organizers yeah. or for the delegates. Yeah. So what right. you want to get from an event versus what you might want to get yeah. could be so different. And as a business owner, there's going to be times in your journey where you want that peer-to-peer -peer support, people who are also startups, they get it. Yeah. And you can have Exploring that. Exploring collaboration. Yeah, whereas as the business grows and changes, you might want to create those more diverse networks. So being able to understand what to look for in the design of the event, mm -hmm. that's going to be an indicator on who's going to be in the room. That's going to save practitioners, the delegates, loads of time and energy too. So what's what's next on the on the Jenny Smith net no journey? A journey? Where, 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 where are you going there? <laughs> Sounds I like you've got a lot on at the minute. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just getting through a PhD, to be honest. Yeah. Getting through a PhD. Saying I'm getting through, but I'm loving it. It's fascinating. It's one of the hardest things I've ever done in my yeah. life, but absolutely amazing. Yeah. So get through that. Um, hopefully, like contribute to knowledge, contribute to to the world of practice at the same time. Yeah. And maybe turn my thesis into a book. That would be really cool. Yeah. Um, the dream is to like, you know, build the business, especially build the SaaS arm of it, mm -hmm. expand that across the UK, expand that wider, sell that and just travel the world doing TED Talks and stuff. Yeah. yeah. As Dr. Jenny, that, Dr. Jenny is Smith. That, is that on the bucket list then? Oh, you know, bucket list TED. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I can see you doing that. Yeah, yeah I'd love that. Time. Absolutely yeah. love that. When I'm ready, yeah. when I've got, yeah. I think when I've, you know, post thesis, yeah. when I've hopefully got something novel to share with the yeah. world, I would love to do that. Yeah. And I suppose the PhD will give you, um, rightly or wrongly, it'll give you a little bit of validation, won't it? Oh, absolutely. Additional credibility. Yeah, yeah. You know, in my world where like I talk about a subject that people often deem as fluffy, yes. part of the reason to do the PhD is to get that validation, absolutely. that credibility, yep. you know, I'm covered in tattoos and I like to wear bright colors and I'm yeah. very excited about lots of things. Yeah. So being that, you know, having that, not only does it add value to me, but it adds value and I'm able to transfer that knowledge back to the people I support as well. One of the things I've noticed, because as we said before, you know, we, we've known each other quite a long time and, and you have, I don't know whether it's intentional or otherwise, but you have built a little bit of a sort of personal brand. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got, you know, you're very bright, you're very, you're very extrovert. Mm -hmm. Is that, is that just you or is that, or is there a conscious effort there to say, right, I'm going to stand out and. It is just me, yeah. but it's conscious in that for a long time I was told that was wrong. Yes. I think as a woman as well, right. you're told you're too whatever, too loud, too excited, too emotional, too yeah. whatever. And I think especially, so I launched my business um, while I was on maternity leave. Literally the week lockdown hit wasn't intentional, but it just happened that way. Um, and after having my daughter when I was on maternity leave, made the decision to be like, do you know what? No, it's time to go back to being self-employed, back to what I'm passionate about and doing it in a way that's authentic to me. Yep. And I think when you're authentic, that comes across hopefully yeah. and other people, Some, it's I'm not everyone's cup of tea no. and that's totally fine. Yeah. I yeah. will actively say, you know, I'm not your, if I'm not your cup of tea, here are some other amazing people that can help you network that are very different, you know, yeah. and that might be the right fit for you. But doing it, you know, true to who I am, especially after, you know, from a lot of experiences of yeah. being told that I'm... So good, Jenny. And it's such know. a great story. I, th I think because so many people nowadays get so hung up on what they look like and what they need to say and, you know, all that sort of stuff. They need to start as you do, just believing and being themselves. Yeah. And it makes it harder. If you've got to act, it 
Exactly. Yeah. You can just, you can just be yourselves. People see through it as well. Yeah. They, do. they do. And then they can't trust you. It's hard to build that trust. Yeah, exactly. But the people that see you for who you are and come anyway, yeah. they're, they're like, they're the best ones. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah right. absolutely. Yeah. yeah, they're obviously like challenging themselves. Yes. Yeah. So... We want to, just putting you completely on the spot, oh. what we're going to try and do is get some sort of little anecdote okay. from all of our guests. So I'm oh. thinking over the however many years you've been doing this, which is quite considerable, mm -hmm. and the thousands of events and thousands of people that you've met and, and connected, mm -hmm. is there is there one thing that you, you could sort of attribute? You go, oh, I, I did that. I, I put those two people together and something came of it that you you can you know you, you feel that you contributed to in some yeah way. there's one that stands out right particularly so the lord but interestingly a lot of them you don't hear you don't hear about no. you make these connections with people and they go off and then you'll see something like oh get in that worked out well um but there is one connection i made i met someone at a network event in carlisle and met him and i was like you need to speak to this person you know when you just know yeah they're going to need they're to speak to this person. Yeah. Fast forward to now, like 10 years on, they're married. They've got two babies and I like totally created life. So <laughs> I absolutely you take full all credibility well, for the creation well, of those children. Yeah. yeah. It was all me. Good. So you're welcome. Uh, so are you, are, are you now officially Auntie Jen? Now, <laughs> no, no. Matchmaker extraordinaire. <laughs> um, yeah. That's a good one. But good. yeah, look, like good. endless amounts of Excellent. joy that just comes from seeing people connect. So where can people hit you up, Jenny, for people that want to get in touch with you and find out a little bit more about what you do? Yep, social media, yep. online, my website's netno, so it's N-E-T-K-N-O.co.uk. Lovely. Yep. Um, find me there. There's loads of like free resources and stuff on the website. There's um, videos and blogs. There's a white paper about strategic networking people can download for free. Um, but I'm really accessible, so any questions or anything, just connect and awesome. give me a shout. Thanks for coming along. Thank really you. enjoyed you having here. Great. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Thanks so much. My pleasure. Yeah. So there you have it. That was the Liquid Studio show with our guest, Jenny Smith. Um, do the like, share and subscribe if you wish. The more support we get for the show, the more guests like Jenny we can have. And we'll look forward to seeing you in the next one. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> you both looked at me. Am I supposed to say something no, there? No. no, okay. Yeah. A Liquid Studios production.